0: This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast, with Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. with Rob Brown and Martin Bissick. And thank you to our special sponsors, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, well, I think people don't understand is they were ahead of
1: the game for MTD Phase 1, because they were the first software there to be listed as approved by the C T D filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to, to see this?
0: It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That for Making Tax Digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole Making Tax Digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin?
1: That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, I- Irish know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash webinar.
0: Welcome to our special guest interview here on the Accounting influencer podcast. And I'm thrilled to have with me today the legend that is Julia Penny of the ICAEW. Julia, hello to you.
2: Thank you, Rob. What an introduction. I don't think I've ever been called a legend before.
0: Well, you are a legend and uh, you're going to be more of a legend. Obviously, you're coming into a very interesting role. So uh, just for the benefit of people, Julia, that haven't come across you, tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be where you are.
2: I I started out, um, accidentally did an accounting degree, which we may come back to later, but we'll see.
0: How do you accidentally do an accounting degree? Let's sort that one out right now.
2: Well, you sort of go to your careers officer, having got all the way down the first column of the A to Z of careers to accountant, and they say you need to go and do uh, an introductory one year course before you can do a training contract. Like, oh dear. So I went off to Brighton Polytechnic with the intention of a one year course and sort of stayed for three years and a whole BA accounting and finance degree. So that's how you accidentally end up doing a degree. And from there, I trained with a smallish, mediumish firm in, in Guildford as a chartered accountant. And soon after I qualified, I got into to training. I started training students, then I went freelance and I thought it would be really good to get involved with my local district society. That's Thames Valley District Society of Chartered Accountants. And I got involved in that and got really involved in that, became the president a number of years later, got involved in institute stuff, came back to it later on. So it's been a consistent theme with a lot of it focused around the technical areas that I'm really interested in, the audit, the financial reporting, more recently the anti-money laundering. Um, And that has gradually led to my increasing involvement to where I am today, which is deputy president of ICAEW, and I will become president in june this year Mm,
0: indeed and we're an international podcast here we have listeners in 144 countries they may not have heard of the icaw so just tell us a bit about what that stands for and how it plays into the accounting profession
2: icaw bit of a mouthful obviously it's the institute of chartered accountants of england and wales so we have a separate institute in scotland a separate institute in ireland although we do all work quite closely There are other accountancy bodies, uh, which people will have heard of, no doubt, like ACCA, the Association of Chartered Certified Accountants. And of course, the US guys um, have their AICPA, and so on and so forth all around the world. The ICAEW within the UK is really big, but we are also big internationally. Almost a third of our members, I think, currently work internationally, either because they've gone somewhere else, they've started in the UK, they've gone somewhere else, they've come here to train and gone back home, or they've trained in their own country. We haven't trained internationally for as long as a lot of the other institutes, but we have done for the last sort of 20 or so years. So we are a big powerhouse from the UK perspective, but also um, very much from an international perspective with accountants in all sorts of areas, business, practice, public sector, and certainly in the UK, charity sector.
0: We're in very challenging times right now. We can't ignore what's going on. What state would you say the accounting profession is in right now?
2: I think, you know, it is, as you say, it's really challenging. In the UK, we've got some issues which we've started to see reflected around the world, not just in the UK. So we've got what you might broadly call a a trust in in audit or even a trust in business issue. Um, In the UK, we've got a lot of regulatory change, which may or may not happen off the back of that. Um, We are currently waiting for consultation response from the government. Um, We keep waiting for it. It'll come out. At some point, but you know what it's like, I'm sure around the world, whatever government you've got, you wait for them to do something. But what it means more broadly is that we've got the press questioning, you know, our accountants doing the right thing, our auditors doing the right thing. But at the same time, we've actually got and there's surveys that have been done um, to back these up saying there's a huge amount of trust in the accountant, that they can be businesses, trusted advisors because they understand so much of what's going on, the regulatory side, as well as the business side of things. So I think you know, we've got regulatory pressures, we've, we've got changes in the way things work, digitalization pressures, both on the public side with things like um, making tax digital happening in lots of jurisdictions around the world, as well as audit you know, questions about how big business operates and how we tax them. So huge numbers of questions challenging all accountants, I think, throughout the world. And
0: accountants have done what they do for many years in a similar way. They're not known for their agility, Julia, are they? Their ability to change and deal with disruption. So how do you feel they're coping with everything that's going on?
2: You're right. We're not, we're not known as accountants for our ability to be agile, although... I think that's a little bit of a stereotype. I think, in reality, the best accountants certainly are agile. We could not survive if we were not agile. I have to say, you know, one of the things that I always hate to hear from anybody is, oh, we do it like that because we've always done it like that. It's like, no, no, that's never the right answer. We all have to adapt continually. The world is changing continually. We must all learn. We must all change. And I think accountants, I mean, especially over the last couple of years with COVID, A huge number of accountants and everybody else, to be honest, have had to make huge adjustments, changing the way that we work overnight in some cases to digitalise, to move people from working at home instead of in offices. And we've done that remarkably successfully. So many accountants over the past couple of years have had, albeit difficult times, you know, stellar times as well in terms of making progress and being able to move forward in these really difficult environments.
0: Who has the ear of the accountant these days, Julia, in your eyes? I'm thinking the fintech vendors, software people, they're driving the accountants to change and listen. There's all manner of gurus and experts out there claiming what they should do. There's the professional institutes, governing bodies, associations. Who do they listen to?
2: Like anybody who, who is passionate about learning, and I am passionate about learning, you listen to a variety of sources because you get different angles and, and different pieces of useful information. So the professional institutes, I think, have, have really done a fantastic job, especially during a pandemic when people have been much more receptive and needed to be receptive to digital information of getting lots of information out there. So practical advice on things like in the UK, uh, our furlough scheme was what supported employees when they couldn't actually work for those that were in that position. But you know, lots of other stuff, sustainability is a key issue on, on lots of accountants' minds because accountants are often in the powerhouse of business. So I think professional institutes play a role, um, but at the moment, yes, software vendors have to be you know some of the key people that accountants are listening to and um, we talk in the in the uk and probably worldwide as well about app stacks for firms of accountants building you know the applications which will work for their clients you know are they using zero are they using receipt Bank? you know what else are they using to make their practices work to help their business clients work we see it with with companies as well you know increasingly moving to digital ways of, of delivery and some of them work well and some of them you know we as consumers, throw our hands in the air and say, oh my goodness, we'd just like to talk to a person. And it's getting that balance right. So I think accountants, yes, we do need to listen to tech providers, and fintech is is vital. We listen to our institutes. We do have to listen to a certain extent to government, even though we might not like to. And I think some of those are the key sources. But we have to listen to our own people as well. And we have to remember, there's a big divide. In terms of generations between people that have grown up with technology um, and people dare i say it like me who have not grown up with technology we need to listen to um the youngsters in order to get uh, a rounded view as to how we should move forward
0: i'm glad you brought up the generational aspect i read somewhere that the average age of an accounting partner in practice is 55. the average age of a business owner is closer to 35 so there's a mismatch there we know that Plenty of accountants are retiring and moving on. And how attractive do you feel accountancy as a profession is to the younger generation?
2: I think we've got some interesting uh, potential issues as well as opportunities. So there is a huge amount of opportunity. And some of the young youngsters, for want of a better word, coming in, we'll see those and we'll use digitalization to drive flexible working patterns, to drive the businesses that they want to see in the future. But we've also got challenges, especially in the audit space. And I think this is an international, not just a UK issue. The more the regulators bash us on our heads for getting it wrong, um, the more people think, well, you know, is that what I want to use my skills to be in an environment where I've got a really difficult task of auditing, let's say, a really big business. And, you know, I might make a mistake and we all make mistakes. We're human. Computers make mistakes, too. Don't we know it? And I think that influences career choices people might still choose to be an accountant but where do they go which bit of accountancy do they choose to go in? and i think we need to be really careful that and regulators in particular need to be really careful that they don't regulate something out of existence if you over regulate an area people say well i don't want to do that it's not worth it it's not worth the risks but if you underregulate an area then you get something that's not attractive to anybody and doesn't serve the market purpose either. So there's an interesting balance that needs to be struck.
0: This generation coming through, the Gen Zs, there's even the alpha generation now. They're the ones who are in their teens and and lower than that. They're interested in different things to perhaps the older generation. And I know you're very passionate about equality, diversity and inclusion. What are some of the issues there?
2: We have moved a lot since I started out as an accountant in in terms of equality and diversity and inclusion, but, I mean, there's still some way to go, shall we say?
0: You're referring to the stale, male and pale type?
2: Might be. (laughs) I, I don't want to denigrate anybody else either. But it has been a
0: man's game predominantly, Julia, hasn't it? Sadly, an old man's game.
2: It has been. And I was I was looking a little bit earlier in preparation for this talk. Over the last sort of 142 years or so of the ICAW uh, being in existence, we've had four, well, three female presidents. I shall be the fourth. We had the first one in 1999, then 2016, then 2020 and then I'll be you know later this year 2022 and then we've got a couple of men because we line it up a few years in advance and you think okay you know male female overall in terms of the institute we're going great strides and this happens across the profession throughout the world in general we're around about a third bit more than a third female so we're getting there in terms of people coming in but obviously it takes a while to get to that that top level but We're seeing increasing problems with getting, you know, to that top level. And the other side of that is the social mobility side. It's not just about gender equality, it's about letting people in who aren't of, oh well, yes, you're the type, you know. And you know, I went to a comprehensive school, nobody mentioned going to university, which is why I accidentally went to, well, what was a polytechnic at the time? Nobody had said, well you know, you should be going to university. It's like, what's that for? No, no, I want a job. Surely we don't do this. Because, you know, we didn't. None None of my friends thought, yeah, we need to go to university. And I think that is still something which there are, I was going to say pockets, but it's way more than pockets, where they don't understand that something like accountancy or law or whatever are professions that all of us can undertake, all of us can go into. So I think there's a lot of work to be done on appealing to these younger generations, making sure that things don't look male and stale. I know that's your your phrasing, and I hate because it sounds like I'm being rude about.
0: We're stereotyping, aren't we?
2: Yeah, we can keep moving, we can keep progressing.
0: And you talked earlier about trust, and it's applicable to audit your particular area of expertise. What is the reputation like of of audit and the technical side of accounting and the standards in your eyes, Julia?
2: The reputation is difficult. In some senses, clearly, you know, the press has got hold of some big cases which have gone badly wrong. There's
0: a lot of scrutiny, isn't there?
2: Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of scrutiny. And, you know, we have to look at ourselves and and professional institutes will be looking at themselves thinking, well, what can we do to help prevent this happen in the future? Because like I said, we will always make mistakes. But what we're trying to do is minimise the chance of those mistakes Taking place. Everything has got a lot more complex. Business has got a lot more complex, and therefore, audit has got a lot more complex. And some of the digital tools which are coming onto the marketplace will help perhaps in restoring trust because they will help the auditor to do a better job of auditing. If you can run all of the data through a system which says, oh, these are the ones that look weird, the auditor can focus even better on what is the key issue, what might be the things that are wrong. So it'll be much easier for the auditor to, to do a good job. So I think we've got to develop, to build that trust, to rebuild or to enhance it because a lot of the trust is still there. We just need to continually work on, on making that audit better. And you know, so the reputation, it's good, but it could be better and a few big failures can tarnish everybody if we're not careful
0: yes you remind me of my days as a high school maths teacher where you would put on school reports could do better and that's very much the case a b plus maybe for audit uh, julia i'm fascinated to know in your leadership journey what makes a good leader in the accounting world in your eyes What separates the good ones from the great ones?
2: We all have different views on what separates good and and great. For me, one of the things that I think you continually need to do is to to listen to others, to have a leader who doesn't listen to others and a variety of others. You You can't dismiss the more junior people because they're more junior. Because how can you get a picture of an organization, a picture of, of what is really happening if you don't listen to everybody? You know, the receptionist is just as important as the person who's you know, just perhaps a rung below you from a leadership point of view. So you have to listen. You have to learn. You have to accept that you know there'll be things that you can improve upon. So, you know, I do like to read the management books, not as diligently as perhaps some do who read everything that comes out. But I like to dip in and think, Okay, well, that's a different way of looking at things. That's that's a new way. So, you know, Edward de Bono's six thinking hats, which I'm partway through. I haven't finished it, but it's a different way of looking at how you bring out points in meetings and make sure that you look at the good, the bad, the ugly in a structured way. So learning all of the time, I think, is is helpful and important for leaders.
0: For those people coming up, what advice would you give to them? They're aspirational, they're ambitious, they're coming into the profession, they want to make a difference, perhaps feeling some of the overwhelm and fatigue and the anxiety and the dread of being chained to a desk for 10 to 15 years. It's better than that, isn't it? What would you say to them?
2: It's vastly better than that and with the exception perhaps of some points over the pandemic, I would say I've thoroughly enjoyed my career. Do what you're passionate about and be passionate about what you're doing pick an area and you know certainly for accountants coming through there are so many areas that you could be passionate about you might need to try a few first until you find something you're passionate about But then really say okay well what can i do so i got involved in my local institute first of all and developed that with involvement on committees there was an awful lot of networking i don't think you get very far if you cannot network if you can't talk with people if you can't engage with people so network and you might want to do it digitally these days people do but i've done a mixture of digital engagement and you know face-to-face engagement And I think that's hugely powerful. And it's fun. If you're not having fun, I I worked for a company, when I worked for for, for SWAT a few years ago, you know, one of the things that the managing director at the time used to say was, you know, we do it if it's fun. Oh, yes. And it's only fun if it makes money. (laughs) So I think that, you know, passionate approach about things and building on that, looking at opportunities to display that passion, and it might be involvement with your institute, with your firm, with committees. Put yourself forward. Don't be afraid. Build your confidence.
0: That sounds like really good advice. You're clearly very passionate about what you do. What do you love most about your role in your life, Julia?
2: I love learning. Probably that's the the standout thing, that all of the time there's something new. I, I talk to people and I know everybody doesn't love to learn something new the whole time, which is why, you know, They like the fact that I do things like get a statutory instrument out and and read it all and work out what it means or an accounting auditing standard. Learning something new, whether it's about leadership style and and how to engage with people and how to do things or whether it's about techie statutory instruments or auditing or accounting standards. But then for me also working out how I can make that relevant for others. So a lot of what I do is training or, or turning it into policies and procedures that can be put into action. And it's explaining how that translates into real life. That's what I really enjoy. But I have to say, coupled with meeting people and talking with people, because being shut up in my room on my own, just doing the techie stuff, it's no good.
0: I completely understand. It's a balance, of course, isn't it? You're coming into the president's role. What's your vision for the ICAW? What's on your dashboard
2: there is an awful lot as we said earlier going on at the moment as I said and, and we've mentioned a couple of times the diversity inequality and, and inclusion the institute has as one of its strategic things, that it really wants to make sure it represents the societies it serves and it wants to open up where it isn't already open up to all of those you know youngsters who might be thinking accountancy what's you know what's that all about and also Any of the minorities that feel that they're not fully represented at the moment. So, you know, I'd like to see in a few years time, for instance, that we have three female office holders all at the same time. You know, at the moment, the most that we've had is two and there's been sort of gaps. So we have a vice president, a deputy president. It would be nice to feel that people just ignored gender because gender wasn't an issue. And then, of course, it would be nice that we get people ignore all of the other things that we might feel discriminated against. So colour and race and background. You know, let's just have a nicer environment, a better environment, a stronger environment, because we will be stronger for having diversity. So I think that's you know, key, along with sustainability.
0: Uh, Julia Penny for Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. I think that's the next step up. <laughs> A couple more questions, Julia. Is there a, a piece of advice you've been given from somebody down the line, a mentor, a coach, a friend that has served you really well and you might want to pass on to our accounting listeners?
2: There's a piece of advice, in a sense, where somebody, a, a, a boss previously told me, well, you know, you're, you're bomb-proof. And what he meant by that was that my skills were fully transferable, that if what they wanted me to do in that role didn't quite work for me because of, you know, family or what I wanted to do or whatever, I I could adapt and move somewhere else and and do what I wanted to do. So making sure that your skills are transferable wherever you work, I think you can do that. So I think that's a, a really useful piece of advice, because then you always have the confidence to have a job that you love and that you can carry on being passionate about.
0: And on the back of that one, Julia, just to jump in, it's not just technical skills, is it? It's the soft skills, your commercial acumen, your people skills, presenting skills, selling skills even, all of that's important, isn't it?
2: You can't just have technical skills. We've got computers which more and more will take over a lot of that technical stuff. So the accountant that just sits down and does techie stuff is likely to find themselves gradually, you know, edged out of the marketplace. But if you can combine technical with an ability to communicate, to talk with people, to lead people, then it's a whole nother kettle of fish. And that's what can give you a really strong career.
0: Yes. So you talked about the transferable skills as a piece of career advice. Was there anything else you'd like to share?
2: I think the other thing which um, set me on a path certainly to where I am, I think, today was actually David Tweedy. David Tweedy was at the time, so I'm going back um, quite a lot of years, like 1990s, was the chair of the accounting standards board. And I heard him speak at an event and he gave the classic. And some people um, who are geeky like me in the accounting profession will no doubt remember it. It's the whole thing. If it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it probably is a duck. But what he was talking about was is something debt or is it equity? But since then it's been used on all sorts of other techie accounting things. I think the point was for me, his speech was very inspirational, and it made me think, gosh, yes, I really want to be involved in this technical side of things. And, well, essentially, I thought I'd quite like his job. I'd quite like to be chair of the Accounting Standards Board. I've never told anybody publicly that before, but that's what I wanted. But that was my vision in 1993. Then what happens, of course, you know, I'm not there, so it's still a vision. But what you do with your career as you develop is you look at opportunities to get you that little bit further forward to that objective. And we don't all have objectives that are clearly, you know, 20 or 30 years into the future. But we weave our careers to the next bit that we think will be exciting, I think.
0: Well, Julie Penny, this has been terrific. Thank you so much for your time today. I'd ask you one last question as we leave, and that's to get your crystal ball out. And imagine that you and I are chatting in, say, five years time. What kind of things do you think will be happening in the accountancy world?
2: Five years' time, I think we will have had some big tech developments, so more ability to take unstructured data and feed it into artificial intelligence products that will then start telling us all sorts of useful things from a business and an audit point of view. So I think that will have come a long way. I suspect that we'll have all sorts of new regulatory requirements across the world, because I don't think this is a UK-only issue. And there will be pressures and people might be saying, I don't want to work in that way. So this whole flexible working thing will really have changed the shape of how we do business. And digitalization will be caught. We can't do things by paper if we're doing them remotely. So anybody who's still got significant stuff on paper, I think that will have shifted. So that's my key crystal ball moments.
0: It's an exciting world, isn't it? Are you glad to be a part of it?
2: Um, I sincerely hope it, it Uh, Moves out of the COVID sort of thing, which dampens down the excitement, but seems to be going in the right direction uh, slowly, but hopefully, surely, although we never know what's around the corner. But yes, very exciting times. Super time to start your career in accountancy and, you know, plot your way, find what you're passionate about and if you don't wanna be an accountant, well, be passionate about whatever else it is that you want.
0: That is a wonderful way to finish and a great call to arms. Julia Penny, deputy and soon to be incoming real life president of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales. Thank you so much for your time and your passion and your insights today. That's been great.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years.
0: we welcome our newest commercial partner to the Accounting Influencers Podcast, it's Practice Ignition. You like these guys, Martin, don't you? What do you like about them? I like what accounting
1: firms tell me, Robert. And one of the things that I ask accounting firms is why add this to your app stack? Another thing to use, another piece of technology, so why? And they say, because when it comes to winning new work, they can send a proposal immediately after a meeting with a prospect, And it includes their terms and conditions, their sales brochure, place to enter payment, info and sign, it just shortens their sales cycle. Well, I like
0: the onboarding thing. There's no more chasing payments because they get the clients to put in the payment details, they digitally sign it, they get it billed automatically and it's on the schedule of the accounting practitioners. That just makes so much sense.
1: Yet no more double or triple checking, the invoice has been paid in the accounting software, it's done automatically. And when you send a proposal or you get paid, PI crunches the numbers and spits out just about every metric you could ask for. So there's no more spreadsheets or wondering how you're doing.
0: Yeah, it's the best in class for what they do. And if people want to go to practiceignition.com, use this special code AIR21, A-I-R 21. You'll get 25% off all plans for your first six months. So just go to the website and get your 14-day trial and you're up and running.